anyone here even real? Am I the only real person on Earth? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. And welcome to Briefly, brought to you by Toucan Advertising. Uh, this is the show where we talk shop and strategy with marketers, leaders, and creatives about their marketing philosophies, stories, and challenges. Um, my guest today is Tom Martin. Tom is an internationally recognized speaker, author, blogger, um, and owner of Converse Digital, a digital agency here in New Orleans. And, you know, t- a lot of things that I want to go over today revolve around, you know, kind of where I first saw you, Tom. I, I first was exposed to you. I hadn't, I hadn't heard of you uh, before, and I, I saw you at a chamber luncheon that we talked about in our initial meeting. I was really enthralled with the way that you view sales and view this whole industry. And we'll talk about your background in a little bit. And that's part of the reason why I was so uh, interested, because it's very similar, you know, mindset. It's what I kind of have experienced so far and, and what I've my goals are. And I had a feeling about this kind of stuff, and you kind of just confirmed a lot of those things. So we can kind of get into that. But my first question is, you know, tell us a little about yourself. Um, how'd you get to where you are today? What's your story? Uh, well, according to my mom, it was a cool summer afternoon on June 3rd, 1969. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to get this call back. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I grew up in Texas. I went to the University of Texas and got an advertising degree. Then went to Dallas and worked at Bozell on the American Airlines business where I basically got an MBA in advertising in about three years. Uh, met a gal from New Orleans. And like most gals from New Orleans, she drug us back here. I uh, worked at Peter Mayer here in town for a while. I started their biz dev program. By the time I left, I was VP of biz dev there for my own agency. Katrina was not kind to it. Went back in the agency world. And um, um, after about three years, the gentleman I was working with and I sat in his office and we mutually agreed I was unemployable <laughs> and needed to go back out on my own. So I, uh, I did that. I formed Converse Digital back in 2010 and we've been cruising along, you know, I guess about what, about eight years now. And it's, you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's, we, it's nice to have your own agency, as you know, because you get to actually put your money where your mouth is and, and Converse was built on the principles that I espouse and that, that I teach and that I wrote about in my book. Everything I've, I've written about or that I tell people about it, I did it. That's how I built this agency. And so we, it's a, it's a test bed for us as well as obviously a way to make a little money. But, uh, so yeah, that's like the story, your typical ad guy, you <laughs> know, turned salesman. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because like I said, when I first heard your talk, one of the things that struck me was that you come from a business development background and as a, you know, kind of found your niche in social media and one of the things that I resonated with me personally is that I have worked in a couple agencies um, outside of college and I started getting more interested in the business development side of things. And I always thought there was a better way to do this, mm-hmm. um, that it didn't have to be as marketing sales professionals. It's a very, very weird sales dynamic, right? It's where it's not just selling, obviously not selling a product and not just selling a, uh, a turnkey service. It's a very, it's a mixture of consulting services, intellectual property, time and expertise. And we're sharing that knowledge and building custom digital strategies for people. And how do you sell that? It's one of the things that, you know, I was struggling with and but I've already learned a lot from you just hearing your talk and just talking with you outside of that. And my next question has to do with how we, not only craft the the sales part of the message, but when you start working with the client, what are your steps that you take in your process to create a digital strategy for someone? That's a it's it shouldn't be a hard mm-hmm. sell for someone because everybody you know everybody needs it these days. But where do you start? What's your process look like? Uh, I'm a huge fan of simplification. I, I absolutely think we make things way too hard in our industry in an attempt to um, look smart or have some 
proprietary methodology. <laughs> My favorite thing when people whip that out. Um, uh, ours is very simple. We have six questions and we put them up on a board with a client and it's really simple. Uh, who are we, you know, what are we trying to do? Uh, who are we talking to? Uh, but we deep dive into that one, obviously. I think the more you can really understand your audience, the better. Uh, what do we need to say to them? Uh, not necessarily what the client wants to say, but what do we need to say? What do they need to hear maybe should be a better uh, way to phrase that. Because uh, what's going to motivate them? What's their brand relationship driver? What's going to put them over the edge and buy? Uh, we spend a lot of time on how, which really is tonality. Uh, we spend a lot of time trying to make sure the brand voice is right. Because I think especially today, uh, especially with younger millennial consumers, uh, you know, that brand voice, if it's right, they, they form a bond with it. And if it's wrong, they just don't, I don't care, you know, what you're saying or doing, they'll go someplace else. And that's really not too much different than I think most folks, uh, we take two extra steps. One is, you know, how do we extend the relationship? So we think long and hard before we ever have a client's customer, how are we going to take that relationship deeper? How are we going to go further with it? Not just loyalty programs, but like how do you go deep? How do you really get into that person's life to where you're their preferred top of mind preference brand no matter what? And then lastly, uh, you know, how are we going to get them to introduce us to their friends? So how are we going to how are we going to turn them into social agents, which is what we call them, for our clients brand? And so we we right up front, we try to plan all of that uh, before we ever lift a pencil or start typing on a keyboard. And what we found is that if we can really with our clients, uh, answer those six questions correctly, we can build incredibly powerful, effective marketing programs, both digital and non-digital for that matter. Um, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit mm -hmm. talk, go back more to the sales, um, function of, of what, what you do, what we do. Um, I like to ask this question cause it kind of forces not only me to think about my elevator pitch, but other people, um, if you had to distill your sales pitch down to 10 words or less, mm -hmm. what would you say and why? What, what's your pit, your reason for that positioning? Uh, well, it's actually on the back of our business card. Perfect. Uh, we turn conversations into customers. Beautiful. And that has been our uh, position since really kind of day one. And I chose it because, well, we positioned very early in social, which is conversations. Mm -hmm. So it kind of really made a ton of sense uh, in that realm. Uh, but as we've grown and, and uh, evolved over the years, we, we touch things that are not social. But they're still conversations. Yeah. Whether we're working with a company in a sales process, like sales training, uh, working with their sales teams, or whether we're uh, working with companies to build marketing strategies or help them build ads or help them build social media presences or whatever the case. At the end of the day, it's all about conversations. And there are millions of conversations happening every day about brands and services. And there are conversations that your brand is a part of. And there are conversations your brand is not a part of. But if you can learn how to inject your brand into the conversation, you can learn how to leverage those conversations, both direct and indirect. You can sell more stuff. Uh, as, as long as people have been selling things, they've been selling things through the hour of conversation. I love it. It's a great you know, way to look at you know, and, and in the end, people will still be selling in conversation. You know, advertising you know, goes in and out of fad, digital goes in and out. Like those are all executions. At the end of the day, though, the one thing that's never changed is people sell stuff by talking to other people about it. So we felt like that's where we wanted to be. We felt like it uh, is a place that uh, was really natural for us. Uh, I'm a big believer that there's art and science to conversation. I think a lot of uh, people can tell you about all the science. They can read all the books and the white papers and the research, but they don't understand the art. And that's why there are people I'm sure in your life that you look at and go, man, that person can sell ice to an Eskimo. Well, it's because they understand the science, but more importantly, they've mastered the art. And that's where I think is our differentiation as ancient. I think we have it. We understand the art 
of moving a conversation to a sale without making the person feel like they were just sold. I love the thing you say about how it's it's an art and science and that it's a blend of not only understanding the the metrics that you use, you know, for social in particular, it's very data heavy. Um, but data is just a tool and it's all about mm-hmm. how you harness it. And I think what's great and what I had to remind myself of too is that we're in this business to understand human behavior and to change human behavior. And you do that, you know, measuring through data, but mm-hmm. being a human yourself and being an mm-hmm. understanding that like you said, I love that that's your position. I I really think it's a great way to look at it is conversations that drive change that, you know, that create conversions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's uh, whether it's in social or face to face or, you know, just how you build your marketing and ad materials. Uh, if you can stay in that conversational realm, uh, I don't know, people just their their guards down a little bit lower. Right. And, uh, and that, yeah, just be human. And then and boom, it's amazing how that turns into uh, conversion, new product sales. Yeah. So kind of going along that idea of being involved in conversations and finding success that way, every project's different, every metric, you know, they have different KPIs we measure against, right? But how do you know at the end of the day when you've done your job well? Can you explain for me how mm-hmm. you kind of go through with your clients um, the best way to measure whether or not you're providing value? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of a chameleon on that subject because uh, I am very data intensive. I love numbers. I, you know, we we analyze the numbers. I like, I like looking for trends and and I like to be able to prove that what we did worked. Um, but if I go back and I look at the last 25 years of my career and I look at the projects that I feel as though were the most impactful or maybe not the most impactful at the moment we did the project, but they had the propensity to become the most impactful um, or they did something or I can see things that happened years later that maybe other companies did. Um, but you can see it. It's a, the genesis was something that we did. Uh, it's that people talk about and are interested in talking about the project. Uh, when, when people want to have a conversation about what we're doing, about what our campaign is, or, and not just like they campaign from like, Oh, that's a cool ad conversation, but just the core essence of the idea that led to it. That to me is when we've done our job because it's really hard to get people to pay attention to anything today. And when you can get them to pay attention enough to where they really want to talk about it proactively, maybe they want to blog about it, maybe they want to interview you about it on a TV show or a radio show, or maybe they just want to talk to you in a, in a conference or something like that. And they want to, they really want to learn more about that. And they really want to understand that. That's when you know you've got a very human idea that's that's touching people in a very deep emotional place. And, and it's in, in those places I find tend to be more universal. And so if you can get into that universality, then it's just a matter of like, okay, we did this and yeah, maybe it was sort of successful in a short term ROI standpoint. Maybe it wasn't, but if it wasn't, that's a, then we should have just gone back and done it again and tweaked it and figured out how to make it successful in that sort of short term ROI basis. Experimenting. Yeah. You know, iteration, evolution and, and where clients have done that, we have ended up getting to places that are just absolutely incredible where the clients are blown away. We're blown away. And, and, but, but they always come back to that conversation piece. Like people care enough to talk about it. You're on to something. Yeah. So if you, as a marketer or a client, if you create a project that people talk about, but maybe it's not in a market sense successful, man, don't give it, don't, don't put that. You've got a flame. You got a little spark. Don't snuff it out, feed it, give it some oxygen and, and you'll get a wildfire out of it. But too often, I think that we get caught up in the KPIs 
and we allow them to kill really good ideas before the idea is fully formed or before it's had a chance to really catch marinate. that oxygen <laughs> or marinate. Right. And it, we, if we were braver as marketers and we would do that, I think you'd find you'd, you'd have a lot more compelling work out there, a lot more compelling campaigns than we have today. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to shift the conversation a little bit to more about the industry itself. Where, what are your thoughts about the future of wh- where we're going? And I know we talk about a lot um, having having to do with you know technology, big data, all these things that people talk about all the time. What's your opinion? You know, based on your career, you've you've been selling this this uh, these services, the types of services for so long. You've seen things come and go. What are some things that you think are on the horizon? Oh, unfortunately, uh, my future view is, is, is rather, rather somber uh, in terms of Let's the industry. Um, uh, I think the two biggest uh, thematics that I see are commoditization and uh, uh, procurement mentality uh, to the buying of these services that we sell. Uh, your Facebook post is worth the same amount as my Facebook post. You know, no, it's bullshit. Uh, a, it might have taken me longer, or you longer, or whatever. But even in the base level, you know, we might produce a Facebook post where we generate the same amount of engagement. We might not. And if I can consistently produce better engagement than you, then my post is worth more than yours. But that's not the mindset. The mindset is, oh, well, Facebook post should be $125 because that's what Joe Blow on the corner over here with his laptop is willing to do it for. And so you've got this real commoditization. Race to the bottom. Yeah, you've got a race to the bottom. And, um, you know, like I said, it, I've been in this business 25 years. And it, it's always been a little, I mean, there's always, it's, it's about numbers and you know, dollars and cents at the end of the day. And you can't just be stupid crazy with your pricing. But there was a respect for, hey, these people are actually better than these people over here. And therefore, they deserve to be paid more because their work should on a long-term basis, prove to be more effective, more consistently than maybe these people who maybe they hit one home run or they can come up with one good idea. I mean, any agency can come up with one good idea. Uh, and it's unfortunate because I think, um, you know, clients are falling into that mindset where they are they are allowing a commoditization mindset, a procurement mindset to um, cut them off from the people who can really build brilliant ideas for them. And at the end of the day, we're in the idea business. Yeah. You know, you're set, you know, how many car manufacturers are out there? Uh, you know, what's going to make me buy your car versus the other? Is it that you've got an eight cylinder, this, that, the other, and he's got a seven cylinder. Like, I don't even understand the difference between those two <laughs> things. It's your brand. It's the feeling I have. It's the excitement you create around your brand. That's intangible. Uh, and so hopefully that will turn. I don't know. I mean, the, the long-term trends are not good. In that realm, you see the average tenure of a CMO has dropped dramatically. You've seen the average lifespan of client agency relationships has dropped dramatically. Uh, you're seeing a big move towards insourcing. Yeah. Clients just bringing our services in-house. Um, so, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad that I'm on the on the tail end of my career, <laughs> frankly. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, hopefully it'll turn. Hopefully uh, agencies will figure out how to once again uh, get back to the place like in the 50s and 60s where clients saw us for ideas. Uh, and I think we're, we got to do some work on our own. I, I think we as agencies have been guilty of, of resting on our historic laurels 
and just wanting to be important again versus giving clients a reason to think that we're important. So hopefully we'll do our end and they'll respect it and pay us for it. Yeah, well, I think that it's interesting that we talk about commoditization because I think that there's a lot of decentralization happening with different agencies. I mean, everybody talks about big agencies dying and I don't necessarily think that that's true. I do think that marketers and CMOs and more bigger companies who outsource for marketing on a regular basis are working more with smaller teams, with freelancers. And there's definitely going to be some pros and cons on on both sides. And I think it's going to be up to us marketers to be able to prove our worth and to be able to fight through all this clutter and all this, all these other, I think it's temporary, essentially. Mm -hmm. I think that what you're saying is definitely um, valid. And I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a reckoning (laughs) in a sense. You're going to have to find your spot. I mean, there's certainly things that a big agency can do that I can't do. Right. My, you know, my little, little merry band of men and women (laughs) over here can't do. Um, uh, but but again, we haven't tried to position ourselves against those folks. Yeah, you know, we we don't. I don't see myself competing with JWT or Ogilvy or any yeah. of those guys. That's not my game. Yeah, there's a lot out there. I mean, it's universe of abundance mentality. You yeah, think about everything as uh, rising tide raises all ships kind of mentality. Of, Absolutely, there's so, a know. lot of work out there. And it's just being broken up into smaller pieces. The problem is there's a lot of people who are amateurs who are getting this getting in the same rooms with the big guys, and I think mm-hmm. that's that's the eternal struggle. So let's turn our gaze here a little bit towards your career and kind of the future of where careers are going. What challenges have you faced or successes have you seen in your career that you want to share? I mean, maybe some things you don't want to share, obviously, <laughs> the bad times. <laughs> but, you know, the, if there's anything that you could give our listeners, you know, I'm going to kind of combine two questions here is one, what are some challenges or successes that you've seen? Um, and two, what advice would you give future marketers to mm-hmm. face some of the things that you've seen? Uh I think, you know, the challenge there was to, for me personally, there was no challenge uh, worse than Katrina. Um, mm. As I said, my wife and I had started a small agency. It was a couple, two, three years old. And I had thought I had prepared for every scenario except the one where all my clients fire me on the same day. Uh, and my revenue stream goes to zero, uh, both as a company and a household. Um, and, you know, that was a pretty scary moment when you wake up and realize I have no money coming in and no immediate way to make money. Uh, and there's no, you know, we didn't, we were small. We, we didn't have a lot of savings and so forth. So we, there wasn't a lot to fall back on. So it was kind of like, okay, I got to figure something out pretty quickly. And, um, you know, what I found was I was able to very quickly reestablish a, uh, position, uh, working, uh, you know, as a freelancer, basically for a big agency, the one I had come from out of Dallas on the American business, and then I was able to, you know, use that to then get back financially stable, figure out what I wanted to do, come back to New Orleans, et cetera. And um, what that taught me was very simple, is that we are in a reputation business. Your reputation is your resume. Forget what's on that piece of paper. I don't I haven't had a resume in I don't know how many years. But, you know, it, nobody wanted my resume after Katrina. They wanted my reputation. That's what they were hiring. They knew or believed that I could do certain things. All right, they believed in me, in my reputation of me. And in many times they knew who I was personally, but in some cases they just knew of me. Um, and they were forming their opinions or desire to work together off of that, off of that reputation. So, you know, what I learned is that is you always have to be, and this is kind of my business development philosophy, is get known for knowledge. Or get known for who you are, what you know, and what you can do, and what you can accomplish. And that is what ultimately saved me after Katrina was that people knew I was a biz dev guy. 
you know, when I when I finally said, yeah, I'm going to come back to New Orleans and I'm not going to reset up a shop right away. I'm going to go work for agencies. Somebody's going to hire me. Uh, I had offers from pretty much all the big guys in town because, and they all wanted me to come back and be biz dev because that was my reputation is I was a guy who knew how to build a, a successful biz dev program for agencies. And I could, I could put skins on the wall. That's your niche. That's it. And so as a person, you know, as you're coming into the industry, you got to be thinking what knowledge do I want to be known for? You know, what do I want my reputation? And you have to actively manage that reputation, both Personal in terms branding. of, yeah, both in terms of how you handle yourself. Um, but you know, what you choose to do and how you choose to do it, et cetera, because, at the end of the day, that is what you're hiring. Absolutely, that's what's going to hire. That's what's going to get you hired. Uh, if you get to a place like you have where you own your own firm, you know, that your reputation precedes you. And that reputation is going to be what makes somebody call you or offer you the job or offer you the project. Uh, that's what's going to allow you to charge maybe a better premium on your pricing than, than someone else because you're known versus unknown. There's a, a willingness to believe that you'll be able to create the value necessary. Uh, so I would take it all down to that, you know, and, and, and really focus on what is my brand? Who am I? How do people see me in this industry? And think of all the ways that that is built. That's who do I associate with, what conferences I go to, what clients I work on. Like plan your freaking career a little bit. Don't just, you know, Everything it communicates something. It really does. You know, it really, everything you do. Uh, is something and you know I have always uh, had a reputation of, of when I was in the agency business uh, I was always I'm a tinkerer I'm always doing crazy stuff that people are like where'd you even come up with the idea to do that <laughs> and it's like I was just curious I wanted to see what would happen yeah. and it might fail miserably or it might be really cool you know and so again that's kind of that reputation of okay well this guy really can do biz dev he can also do really cool ideation he comes up with stuff that's out of the box it's always very different. It's usually pretty cutting edge stuff or at least in that no one else has done it. So again, as, as clients are looking at us, they look at think, well, this is the history of what this person's done. Can you do that and me? we want that. Yeah. I want that kind of ideation. I want somebody who's going to take old dots and connect them in new ways. That's these guys. Yeah. That's converse digital. And so that's what, that's what you do. And so I think you really have to understand you're in a reputation business. Uh, you build reputations for your clients. You got to build them for yourself. Absolutely. Well, that's great advice. And I think uh, part of what, you know, I'm, I'm only five years out of college. So, I mean, I've, I've had to think about my personal brand and think about whenever I graduated, how am I not only valuable to employers, but how do I network with people who are like me? Mm-hmm. How do I make connections that are still very much connections for me now? And I think it is a big part with how you associate yourself. Who do you associate with? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also the stories that your employees will, employers and coworkers will tell about you because people talk. Um, and it's, I mean, and New Orleans is a big, small town. Um, and it's very important to make sure that what you do here at your job today, you'd want somebody talking about you five years from now for sure. And that's something I, I've always tried doing. I think I was just, you know, raised that way. (laughs) So, you know, it's always, it's all about, you know, being a good person, spreading good work, being, working hard, but all those kind of roll into your career as well. The world's no different than, than your high school lunchroom. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Who you sat with, who you ran with, like that's who you were. You know, you might not have been a cool kid, but if you sat at the cool kid table and they engaged with you and looked like they knew who you were and liked you, all of a sudden you became a cool kid. Like yeah. we are, we are what we do and who we associate with. And, uh, that, that, that done same as it was in high school, same as it is now, whether you're in New Orleans or, you know, 
Moscow. It doesn't matter. It's <laughs> just that's how the world works. So it's all about, you know, constantly building that reputation. And if you build it correctly and uh, purposely, purposefully, I guess, um, you know, you can do great things because people will call you instead right. of you having to constantly call them, uh, which, you know, that makes life a hell of a lot simpler. <laughs> a lot easier. Well, uh, yeah, that's all the questions I have. Uh, I appreciate being Tom, invited thank, on. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thanks, you guys, for listening. If you want to tell us what you think about the episode or have any questions for us, you can always tweet me at 2CanAds or find us on Facebook or LinkedIn. Thanks.